You're listening to Close the Loop, a podcast for business decision makers who are eager to put on their marketing hat and prove the worth of their campaigns. Here to get you excited about attribution and invite you to act on these topics is the host, Kevin Dini, a true marketing and data nerd, live and virtual event speaker, and fan of all things Batman. He's joined by a variety of guests, subject matter experts, and colleagues who are passionate about helping business leaders like you to succeed. No need to take notes. Just visit the show page on callsource.com and read the transcripts, watch the episodes, or get any links mentioned in the show. Hello, welcome to the Close Loop Podcast. We are really excited for our first episode here and to get into the topic of proven marketing ideas for small businesses. I am joined by two illustrious guests. Uh, the first one I have with me today is Matt Widmeyer. He's the sales development manager at Call Source. He oversees the ever-growing sales development division here while working as a liaison between the marketing and sales departments. Whether this is an individual or a team operational gaps that he's facing, he'll roll up his sleeves and he'll go to work. He is a problem solver, he's a mentor, and he is a coach all rolled into one. Um, Matt has a wife and daughter and loves all things outdoors. Hey, everybody. Matt and I have known each other for a few years, so he's kind of represents our sales side and the marketing side. So it's always a great conversation we get into. I'm also joined by Ron Berner. Ron Berner is an independent marketing strategy consultant. He applies his marketing and MBA with his marketing automation experience to help organizations design, execute, and measure their marketing strategies. When he is not designing programs, Ron's time is spent as an avid sports and fitness fanatic and can be spotted with his 11-year-old son at Disneyland on any given weekend, literally. (laughs) (laughs) That's a true story. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks, Ron. Ron also has been working with us before, and we've known all known each other for years. Getting into the topic now, I wanted to quickly share and set the stage. So the f- framework that I've thought about and come up with for this episode has come back to every business is trying to figure out what marketing idea should I implement next? What should I do to maximize my you know, investment in growing my business and generating leads and whatever the goal is. So rather than come up with like a straight up list of let's call it like a hundred different ideas that any business should be considering, I took a different approach to this and looked at this like every business should look at its internal resources and their capabilities first to assess, okay, what do I have to work with? Because I think that quickly narrows down for you what let's call them channels or campaigns or anything like that, that you would be capable of running. I think the best example is if you don't have any phone numbers, you know, you're not going to be calling anybody. So if we gave you a bunch of ideas like, Oh yeah, you should just pick up the phone and call, call your prospective customers or, or, or prospects or whatever, then you would be like, well, that idea is completely moot for me. I don't have that capability. So there were a few different dimensions on this. And I wanted to go over 
One of them is if you don't have contact information, you don't have a CRM, you don't have some kind of a, a way of knowing who your previous clients were. If you don't have, a, if maybe you do have that, but you don't have it clearly in your database, um, you're probably not going to be able to utilize those very much. But let's say you do have 10,000 phone numbers of prospects in your database, but you don't have any CSRs, any phone handlers, any SDRs like Matt manages, then you have the data. You just don't have anyone to use it. So then you have to think about, am I going to call these people? Do you really want to spend time calling them or do you want, you know, have someone who's going to be doing that dedicated full time? So I think you look at your business. I wrote down a couple things I think you could look at. And those are contact information like emails, phone numbers, location. Do you have addresses like direct mail or do you have access to like an advertisement thing that'll just hit an entire zip code? Do you have the time and effort? Do you have budget? Do you have skilled labor and people who can call for you? Is there demand? Do you have a website? If you don't have a website, you're probably not going to be doing anything digital. <laughs> so if we have an idea here that's like, oh, go, go look work on your SEO or your social media and you don't have a website or something like that probably need to do that first. So anyway, that's the the basis I wanted to set this up for is every idea is going to have something that you're required to do. If the idea requires you to do things that are just outside of your reach, probably not the best idea for you. So when we talk about a proven marketing idea, think about what you have and what might suit you best. So I wanted to jump right into it. We'll start with Ron. Ron, did you have any marketing ideas you thought of or you wanted to bring to the table we could discuss? I think you sort of touched on it initially, you know, the the leads in the database. And one thing that I find to be essential, I mean, yes, you need the website, but you want to segment in a way where you're not speaking to the entire group as the same person. So if you can get some sort of level of segmentation or some sort of level of differentiating them into different personas, even if you keep it simple and have it smaller, and then you're trying to touch on them in a way that speaks specifically to them, even if it's the same product, you still want them to learn about it in a way that's specific to them, in a way that suits them, in a way that fits them. It's just really important to build that rapport with your audience so they feel like that they can trust you and they feel like that they know you. So this, the, the key element that you really touched on was sustainable and scalable. So first thing I would do, yes, you're right, is the website is super, super important. Some sort of database management, some sort of controlling the data that you do have. But aside from those two things, I really think just mapping out what your plan is, what what you intend to do in a way that's that's sustainable and scalable. And then from there, once you have that basic little infrastructure, even if it's small, once you have that in place, now that's something that you can expand upon. And that's really the way I would approach it from a small business standpoint. Okay. So when it comes to segmenting, the most conventional way I can think of that's pretty easy to do is if you have a CRM or a database and separate maybe the good from the bad, the wheat from the chaff or the whatever you're trying to do next from the people that you probably won't be able to do next. And that, that does kind of require some tagging, some information baked into that to pull that off. So I'd say if a business is like, well, how do I get started with segmenting? I'd be like, well, you need probably some form of CRM or database. And second, you would need them people in there separated in some way. And the most obvious way to me is customers from not customers, but it could also be 
people in this area or that area or people who have bought this from me or that from me or I don't know, something like that, right? You're pulling them apart that way? Yeah, I think engagement is, that's really the, besides customer and non-customer, it's engagement. I call it proof of life. Both you gentlemen, we worked together previously and proof of life was always something that I was into as it relates to data hygiene, the, the database hygiene. If you've reached out via telephone or email numerous times in a period of time and there was no indication whatsoever that there was even somebody on the other end of it, I would certainly put those in a bucket. doesn't mean ignore them. It just means treat them differently and approach them a little differently. That's, that's one way. Matt? Yeah, I mean, we all lived in this world for a while. I think to the point where I started having dreams and sometimes even nightmares about it. Slice and dice everyone in your uh, CRM. But some of the stuff we tried, I mean, we tried industry. And I think that makes the most sense if, if you work in multiple industries like we do. The day-to-day of a dentist versus somebody who pours concrete versus somebody who is the manager at a lollipop factory is going to be extremely different, you know, from person to person. Also, what role do they have within the business? So the title is also really key. And then as Kevin alluded to, the relationship they have, are they a customer? Do they used to be a customer or are they a prospect? Are they somebody who were just like trying to actively pursue and where are they in the process too? So all that stuff, you have to kind of assess what you have too in terms of data points is, you know, do you have their phone numbers? I can't tell you how many times sales managers came to me and said, Hey, we should run an email campaign or a phone campaign. And then there's either no phone numbers, no email addresses. And it's like, okay, we have to start. We, after we spent all this time building this big thing out, and then we have to go back to square one. So that's always step one is a, assessing the situation, seeing what you're actually working with first. I, the next thing I wanted to to dive into was a different uh, approach on this. So let's say we divide the, the digital idea from the non-digital idea. So one of the non-ones would be, let's say, like a direct mail, right? If you do have, <laughs> if we're talking non-digital, it's like a spreadsheet of addresses. If you just have uh, businesses or you look in your billing system, everyone who bought from me, I do have an address on. Maybe they're not in a CRM. Maybe I'm more of like a brick and mortar type place. Okay, I'm going to send some direct mail to an entire zip code around my business, like a restaurant might might think of doing something like that. What do I need to, to send a bunch of mailers around my area? What's involved in that? Because when you're talking about a proven marketing idea, are you looking for an idea that's proven to generate whatever the goal is, like a customers in your door or business to your site? or just greater awareness that you exist in the area you just opened up or something. When it comes to proving it, you also have to set up with it some form of how you're going to track this thing. There are a lot of marketing ideas that don't that, that work, but let's say they're hard to track. There's some that are maybe not work so well, but they're easy to track. They run the gamut, right, of where they are in their abilities and where like capabilities of bringing in whatever your goal is. And then on the other side, how hard and how difficult is this to track? And if it's like, okay, how many people walked in my door of my shop or business or how many people came to us from this specific marketing idea? So Matt, what ideas do you have for, let's say, tracking some of these ideas that you think would help prove that they had some lift yeah, so obviously the easy one is to ask somebody how they heard about you, right? And, you know, 
cross your fingers and hope they tell the truth. You can also do call tracking. That's what we do as a company. You know, somebody's calling in, but you can do flyers. You can do coupons. I mean, there's definitely ways to track. And then you also would need a landing place for that in the CRM as well, right? So in the form of uh, some kind of a unique field or unless you're using like campaigns or or something like that in your CRM, that's kind of way to to tie it back together. Did I answer your question there? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I know there's lots of popular, like trackable phone numbers, QR codes, a website link that has uh, like UTM parameters shortened. So it's not super long. You could ask someone, there's geofence. There are some things that come to mind. Did we miss anything wrong that, that you wanted to add to that? You touched on a lot of them. The difficulty is not knowing what a company has at their disposal. Like what resources do they have? Because certainly you can really get into the weeds with attribution and tracking and you can get down to where they've clicked, you know, even a couple of faces after they've left you. <laughs> I mean, you can really get into it, but. From a very basic fundamental level, I do think, like you mentioned, it's priority to have a website and it's priority to have some form of database because without that, there's no way to differentiate one person from the other. And one might be super highly engaged and buy all your content. Somebody might not even respond to you. So you absolutely need some form of sorting of that, some sort of database. I would say for attribution and it, you want to use a link if it's something linkable, even if it's a mailer. I know Kevin and I, we talked about Bitly. There's different ways to use a Pearl. And like Matt said, coupons and stuff, if you're in this sort of business that can offer some sort of promo code or some sort of identifier, the, the whole point is incentivize. If you want a- activity or engagement from somebody they most likely need to be incentivized in some way. And that doesn't mean talking about all the features that your product has. It means talking about all the value that you can give them. And when there's value offered, that incentivizes some way, somehow to get them to then do your ask, which is, you know, contact them, fill out the form. And the fill out the form can have a field specifically that they need to punch in a promo code, or you can even have a hidden field, like a lot of, you know, Automation instances and stuff have hidden forms. So when that activity, the click, whether it's a mailer or an email, will then take them to the page, which has it's creating a query string. They're they're filling out the form and now it's populating hidden data for you. And they've just profiled themselves. You didn't have to do anything. All they did was your action, which was your success. And they profiled themselves by telling you exactly what it is they want or are interested in. That's kind of the perfect world. Yeah. I was thinking about that because of projects we've worked on. One of the things that came to mind for me was urgency. So when it comes to a marketing idea, let's call them longer term, like an investment in a website is definitely not an investment in just a one-time, one-go thing because so many campaigns can use the website. It's kind of like a predominant product marketing, even if you don't necessarily like your product isn't like sold on your website. It's, it is sort of your brand presence online. Not every company has people visit its website. Like there's lots of businesses that like we've worked with and I've worked with over time that the website almost seems like a necessary evil. But here's the thing though interconnectedness of everything, even online to offline does require more and more that businesses do a few things. And the starter kit for businesses nowadays seems like it includes a website, a connected way of putting your website on what's called listing sites. Google My Business is probably the most predominant one, but the yellow pages used to be the tried and true right back in the day. Even businesses that probably weren't getting a whole lot of leads from it, people 
could source it. And that's how it got more awareness out there. So I think that if you're looking at what are some of the basics I need for urgency, if you want leads this month, then, okay, a website tie takes a little longer than a month to get going. So maybe there's something else you can do, but at what cycle and how frequent, how immediate is this need that a marketing idea has to solve for, right? Because like a, you can go Google what's marketing ideas and it'll probably say Google my business, social media, get your website in order, send emails, call people. But again, what resources do you have? It's hard to get those going quickly. For a small business, every single month that goes by without leads and you've spent money is terrible. So what's a fast way that you can, let's say, get some people through the door, get some business going. So how about you, Matt? Do you have any idea for something that's a fast idea, something that you could see the turnaround on within a month's time of launching? Is this a loaded question? <laughs> I'm glad you're going first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that's what, as an SDR manager, that's what we live and die by is the telephone, right? At least for right now, that's, that's our fallback, right? So the way I look at it is if, everything else went away, the phone would still be there. And that's what we kind of need to sustain. Sure, you can go and test the waters with other things, but you, you want to be able to eventually assess how other things are doing. But you do those in tandem with the phone. The phone never goes away because you're introducing those other things. So if you have an audience of people, the only thing you really need to be able to use the phone is who are you talking to and B, what are you going to say? So this is where you really need to get into, you know, knowing what your products actually do and why somebody is going to take the time to listen to you on the phone. Cause a lot of the prospects we call, we aren't the only ones calling them. So you have a, a good 10 to 15 seconds the whole time they're thinking, why am I going to continue this conversation if you don't hit the mark, then it's either a callback or it's uh, not going to happen. Okay. Yeah. And also there are sites that make available phone numbers for purchase. It's a little different than email. Email is a lot more scrutiny. There is a do not call. So don't, don't mess with that. You can get in trouble for that, but there are databases or things you can do. If you're calling, if your customers are businesses, you could just look up at Google some businesses nearby and find their number. But it's trying to reach those people. It becomes a little little tougher. It's going after customers with your B2C, right? Is it worth my time to open up the white pages and call down on the list of people? But there are curated lists and things you can get. I would say phone numbers are probably on the safer side. If you're just calling them cold, I think it, that's probably one of the fastest methods. Like Within 10 minutes, you could probably call someone and maybe make a sale or, or at least get someone through the door depending on what it is you're talking about. But yeah, that's a good one to jump into on this. Yeah, phone is obviously the quick and, and easy problem with the phone, as everybody knows, is I don't answer anything that I don't know that's coming in. And nowadays, my phone tells me exactly who's calling, whether they want me to know or not. So it's just hard to catch people when they're like, oh, I can take this. I would say to your point originally about urgency, first of all, I would devote all my time on getting the website. Because how do you expect, just ask yourself this, how do I expect people to find us? If you don't have a website, you can't be found. I mean, there's nobody scrolling through yellow pages or white pages that, that the, it's difficult 
to envision any sort of traction outside of word of mouth or outside of a direct contact with somebody to ever be found. So the ROI on whatever time it takes to slow down your process to get the website up and running and then post things, blog, obviously the the perfect world is blogs, just so you become more and more and more searchable, get into Google ads and all of those type of things. But aside from that, the original point was urgency. And I would say if you're lucky enough to have the situation where you can offer, if there's a profit uh, margin, or some way to incentivize. And I always use the example of at a Lakers game. So Taco Bell will give every single American a free taco if the Lakers score 100 points, right? So a taco is 39 cents or whatever it is, but it's brilliant. And the reason it's brilliant is because they're getting you in the door and you are now spending money. There's no way, very, very few people are going there for that one single free taco. They're going there and since they got the free taco, they're gonna order more things. So same with the stolen base thing. So the idea of giving things away sounds on the surface like, no, 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 we can't do that. Well, the idea is you want traffic and you want customers. So it depends on what your product suite looks like. But that is also like some sort of promotion, some sort of campaign that you can run if you have the ability to email, if you have the ability to do the mailer like we discussed earlier. Some sort of promotional campaign to incentivize based on urgency and based on value, which is you know, Black Friday lives on this sort of a thing, but you can't go broke making a profit. So if you give something away for 10% off, you still got 90% that you didn't have otherwise. The offer, the magnet, the thing that whatever gets them there, that's huge too, if you think about that. Because some offers don't fit the medium very well. For instance, like calling people just to see if they want 10% off something that they don't even know they want may not work out so well. But if someone's already looking for something like uh, on Google ads or the drive by a billboard and they already have something in mind and they see the 10% or 25% offer or whatever, then that kind of does get them past a hurdle. An offer of price is usually trying to combat a price rebuttal where someone's like, this price is too much. Your product may not be worth it in their eyes because they don't quite see the value. So it lowers that initial cost of them maybe trying something totally new like restaurants. It's very risky to try a brand new restaurant versus going to one that, you know, has been open for a while and you've tried for a while and has a legacy. So reviews help a ton with that, right? Like they can kind of be that, okay, I'll trust somebody else's word of mouth. If you want people in quicker, if you want some urgency and you're capable of lowering your initial price requirement of coming in or giving some sort of an incentivized discount or like, hey, if you bring a friend with you, then you get 25%, like instead of 10 or something, just to get more people through the door. Those are a lot of good ideas and what you actually craft your message to be of the marketing campaign. So that's really good stuff. Okay, the, the last thing is kind of more open for you guys. So is there anything else that you thought about or that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention? So I'll start with Ron on this one. Is there anything that you thought of or that hadn't been brought up yet you wanted to jump into? Oh, marketing is such a vast pool and we've barely just touched on the very, very basic things. Something that both of you have heard me say often in all the years and meetings we've been in together is keep it simple, stupid. And the only reason I say that is building some sort of infrastructure, some sort of, of foundation that you can build on because the foundation 
built correctly can always be growth happens. Growth will happen as you evolve, as your resources come in, as traffic comes in, all of these things will naturally grow at, and it will grow in a way that's sustainable simply because you put in place the proper foundation to support it. And as you grow and, and as it grows, you're able to now dive into more of the software that's required and more of the segmenting, which is required, which is you know, segmenting is going to be very important to speak to them specifically. I, I guess the only thing I would add that we haven't really touched on is think of it as a relationship. So we're, you're building a rapport with them. They're not your customers. You're not trying to do a bait and switch. You're not trying to do anything other than build a relationship with them because back to the website thing, brand reputation is king. Like good reputation, it goes or bad reputation is another way, better way to look at it is if you start to get a bad reputation, it's curtains. So building that relationship and the thing that a relationship building does is it keeps them loyal and retention is a king, even though marketing, a lot of people don't realize that, but keeping your customers is more important than getting a new one. Retention also does something else. And that is word of mouth. That's free marketing. That's free advertising. And when you can generate a buzz and when people are talking to their friend, like, you know what, you know what I, what I did, this is great. You should check this out. That sort of buzz only comes from your relationship that you've established with them and from your rapport and from being honest enough where they trust you. And when they trust you, that's when they're going to start recommending you. And that's when they're going to keep coming back. Yeah, I think one of the subtle things you mentioned there I wanted to highlight was when you get to the point of, let's say you're a business running one campaign at a time. So I'm focusing on my website or I'm focusing on SEO or I'm focusing on ads or I'm sending mailers. You will see a tremendous lift when you overlap multiple channels and multiple things over time. So it's sort of like reinvesting in the campaigns that you might see this campaign worked better than that one. So I want to do this one. You might not have the budget or the capabilities of doing multiple things at the same time. But if you do get to that point of having multiple channels, multiple campaigns overlapping over each other, helping each other, it definitely gets it out there in the compounded amped way. <laughs> it just helps. Some channels help others. So a campaign on its own may not work as well as a campaign lifted by multiple others. But that does require, again, look at it from what it requires. It may require more resources. It may require something else that you don't have. So if you're not there yet, you you have to pick which one do I think is going to work best and then you know, go with that and based on what you have. The, the ones that will be the cheapest for you are based on the ones that you have most of the stuff, right? It's like, do I have all the ingredients to make this cake or do I have to go all the way to the store to get it? Anything you have that you can make work with what you have will be cheaper. The other key point there is all of those channels with the same messaging, which I totally agree with. You hit the nail on the head there. All of those channels with that same messaging, A, it can be done with one and then you tinker it for the other channel for social media or whatever. But what do they all do? They are all driving them back to the website that you should have. <laughs> That's the key. Matt, is there anything we didn't dive into that you wanted to, to touch upon? Yeah, I think the phones are bread and butter, right? But it, if it makes sense to do only only be calling somebody, no, it doesn't, right? It, it doesn't, it, we still probably get by barely on that, but we need the emails, we need the chats, we need everything else that comes along with it. Love how Ron mentioned also the value of taking care of somebody, giving them a good experience, right? They're going to be back. 
And not only are they going to be back, they're going to be happy. They're going to be talking about you, reviewing you. And now they're going to be telling all their friends about you too. So that's, I think, where every business should strive to be because it doesn't cost anything, right? It's just you doing what you're supposed to, what you're supposed to be doing in the first place, right? What you've promised your customers you're going to do before they even did walk through your doors for the first time. I think that testing is critical. You have to figure out how long you're going to run a test for. If you're running something for three months and it's expensive and you don't even see a light at the end of the tunnel, pull the plug, (laughs) cut your losses. And and it's not a loss because you've learned a lesson. Right now wasn't the time to do that. Maybe you revisit some other time, but hopefully you have something else that you're armed with now that you can take into next time you try that. If you ever bother trying it again, there's a Find balance, and this this is where it's really going to depend on the capabilities and what the company is actually working with, the budget, all that stuff. There's a balance between how hard you're physically working and what you're actually doing and how much money you're actually spending. There's a little bit of a correlation there, right? Because the more you're spending, the less you're actually doing. If we had no budget at all, I mean, it doesn't cost that much. It costs a phone bill to pick up the phone and call somebody, right? So that's about and the cost of a person if you're paying a person to do that. But still, that's I think that's where how we can skate by on just that channel is because that's it's usually a little bit more cost effective. Now, if we had all the budget in the world, uh, yeah, sure, let's send everybody a $1,000 gift card to take a demo. I don't think our price point justifies that, but it would be a really easy way to stir up the market. Right? And we might just look at spam if it was that much anyway. But now I think that uh, find some kind of a – ROI point, what are you hoping to achieve? So you should think about all this stuff before you go too far down the road, especially spending money or dedicating a lot of time to something like this. Yeah, yeah. So I'll do a quick summary here. The things we talked about, the things that stood out to me, the first one was look at what resources and what things you have to begin with. What do you have to work with? So, you know, this is Maybe the marketing ideas I could do, the ones you have the most stuff for, the most resources, the most database, the, the most information for, the most access to, maybe you know a friend who can hook you up, whatever things you have uh, to go with, uh, definitely look there first. It may not necessarily be the ideas in there. So then it's like, okay, well, where do I have to go outside, maybe have to spend some money, maybe I have to hire somebody like Matt was saying. Because then the second part is like, how do I prove it? If there's no way of tracking it, you're kind of just hoping and throwing it out there, hoping that it works. Other people might have said, oh, this works. And so you trust them. But having a trackable pr- way to prove what you've done is humongous. And any time that you have any doubts about whether something's working, you can go back and look at that. That's huge. That's enormous for for other people to be able to repeat, for you to be able to hand that off. You can see inflection points or hinge points of what really makes that thing sing and makes that work. And then the last thing was touched upon what Ron and Matt were saying, which is when you get going with some of these ideas, how do you know their work? How do you know you're happy with what you're getting? And having a baseline of Okay, my product sells for two hundred or fifty dollars a month, or I know the average meal that I serve is about fifteen twenty bucks. Or knowing your revenues and your costs, and then your break evens of, I need to at least make this much. Sits with the other things because you can afford to spend more or spend more resources in something that maybe has a higher return. You could also uh, do more with something that costs less initially. And if you're tracking it along the way, at any point, you could be like, okay, this isn't working. I can cut it out. You don't just have to (laughs) go the full time and then realize this is bad for me. So 
those stood out to me at least for finding a good marketing idea. Now, obviously, we didn't tell you exactly like what to do with a social post. We didn't really go into the specifics of each marketing idea because I think what matters more is finding one that's suitable for your business. And I think that comes out of subjectively what is going on in your business and what can you do and what can you afford to do and what are you looking at? Are you the business that has the thousand dollar gift card capability or are you just like, man, I just need, I don't even have a website yet. (laughs) So it it all fits into those things. And we know it's difficult and it's hard and every dollar you spend is a dollar you could put in your pocket. So it's definitely got to be worthwhile. So any last minute thoughts you guys wanted to chime in on and then we'll kind of close out. So we'll start with Matt. I think just whatever you decide to do, once you reach that point where you decide this is finally scalable, I can double down and pour more money into this, um, then just run with it. You have to always look at like, right now I have half a dozen people on my team. If I had one person, what would I be doing? And if I had 100 people, what would I be doing? How do I get 100 people? Gosh, wouldn't that be cool? But you have to look at like, okay, if it's not working with one or five or 10, it's not going to work with 100. So the little operational kinks and stuff like that, you need to take care of before you go get to that point. But I think scalability is huge. And that, that is the main benefit. I'm such a CRM fanboy too, when it comes to like getting the data in there, getting all the right data, getting the accurate data, keeping up to date. That's really the only way you're going to scale a business is by having a solid CRM infrastructure. And then obviously, like Ron said, website's great. Website's great for us too, because anytime somebody doesn't know what the heck we're talking about on the phone, we can just have them visit our website and kind of explore at their own leisure, right? So all those things are super important, super scalable. Yeah, I'll piggyback off of that because I've said it several times even on this call. Scalability and sustainability is something that I say in consulting and implementing marketing departments for organizations because... Oftentimes there's grandiose ideas and you can get there, but you need to get there and you need to get there in a way that's efficient, in a way that makes sense. So not only is scalable applied to the database and and things of that nature, which is Matt's, I agree 100%. I believe it applies also to process. Like you need to have processes in place of what you're going to do. And that's why I always go back to having a game plan. Map out what you want to do, what your plan is. Think ahead, think. 90 days, start building in in pieces so it's scalable. And then you're going to go over these 90 days and always be 90 days ahead. The reason I say 90 days is because to launch a campaign and then even to use the additional channels with the same messaging uh, to drive them back to your website like we already discussed. But the reason I say 90 days is then what? Like then what? And it goes back to reporting and it goes back to attribution. The the, the 90-day plan says, okay, we – I do want to do this go-to-market strategy or whatever this plan is, whatever this promotion is. But after that, this is where I want to go. And then after that, this is where I want to go. So now you're doing some sort of a cadence and some sort of a frequency. You're being consistent with your messaging to them. So just think in terms of game plan and even little wins at first. And then, like I say, you add on that. But game plan and process because the better you're – efficiency becomes, the better the performance will be on the other end because it's going to now open up the opportunities to put work elsewhere into the strategy, into other areas, because you're not so tied up trying to do double the work because your processes just aren't efficient. Yeah. How did you refer to that in the past, Ron? Digging a, uh, a, a pool with a shovel? 
Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, you can dig a pool with a shovel or you can dig it with a high performance machine. And the end result can absolutely be the same. But how you get there is two very different worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think anyone listening to this might have like, all right, maybe I'm walking away from this with not the best idea that's going to work for my specific business per se, but a toolkit of how to get there. And that's really exciting. I think if you can go to your office, your home, wherever you're working right now and be like, okay, I'm just going to write some notes down. I'm going to take a look and see. I'm going to look in my database. I'm going to take a pretty good look around at my business and see what I really have, what I can work with. Um, might be different than my neighbor's business. Or if I look over at the store next to me or my competitors, might have different resources than they do. So it may not make sense to just copy every single thing that they do. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to what you can pull off, what you can prove, <laughs> what's going to raise and what's going to meet the goals that you have. And you can start small. So I want to thank all the listeners who've tuned in to, uh, to this episode. Now, when it comes to connecting with us, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you and connect with you? Matt, what's a good way for someone to, let's say, find you, connect with you, or ask you any kind of questions from that they'd have? Yeah, sure. You can find me on LinkedIn, Matt Widmeyer. It's M-A-T-T-W-I-D-M-Y-E-R. Or you can email me at my call source email. M. Widmeyer at callsource.com. Cool. How about you, Ron? Yeah, to keep it simple so they don't have to jump all over. I'm also on LinkedIn and Ron Berner, R-O-N-N, very tricky. Berner, B-U-R-N-E-R. And I sometimes check my LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find us. I'm on LinkedIn as well. There's also the show page, show notes, everything will be there. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you are excited to jump into some new marketing idea or maybe even to uh, turn off a marketing idea that you probably realize is not working out so well. Maybe you should go do something else. Uh, it's all progress. So thank you, everybody. Have a good day. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.